What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Ball Status. That's right, the podcast where we talk about the health of business and the business of health. I am Doug Miller, and I'm joined with Sidekick Meaty Thighs over there. Hi. National Sales Director for Core and America. We got David Dodrell. Hello. Introduce yourself. National Sales Manager for Arms Race Nutrition. Slash Influencer. And then who's this guy? We came up with a nickname for you, by the way. You're going to love it or hate it? <laughs> I was like, how do you pronounce his last name? Is it Hagman or like Hagman? And somebody said Haggard? And we just got ended up like, you're Haggard from Harry Potter. <laughs> it's Hagrid. Hagrid. Just Hagrid. missing Hagrid. the beard. Yeah. 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 He's a big guy. He is you know? a big guy. Yeah. So we're here with Caleb Haggard. Haggard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us who you are, what you do. We'll start with that because this episode is going to be about, I guess, supplement industry sales teams? Sales representatives? Sales representatives? Representatives. Because we got three on this. So floor is yours for but a minute. But before we start, oh yeah, we have to call out David Dodrell. Uh, we were going to pretend I didn't do it. No, you, you, you can't get by yeah. with that. So yeah. today's sponsor, today's podcast is brought to you by America Energy. Let's get in there. Boom. Oh. Da David Dodger did not get to experience how special that pop top. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I waited oh, a second. Yeah. Oh, that, ooh, that was you might need to keep one. that one. That was impressive. We might, we might need to we record that, that afterwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, back to Caleb. So I'm Caleb Hegeman. Um, I do wholesale um, for Granite Supplements, um, Iron Rebel, and then um, I have my own supplement store. So it's called The Arsenal. It's in Wichita, Kansas. And then I have a couple other small things I do, but that's primarily in this industry uh, what I do. So, is that the OnlyFans or what is that? Well, yeah. So. <laughs> okay, just checking. Um, so let's before we get started into... I'm going to let these guys run the show, and then I'm going to ask a bunch of questions because half the time I don't even know what they do. So um, I think part of it is to talk about the different sales roles that each of these three guys have, which they're different brands, different roles, um, and to talk about that because there's a lot of people that follow us that want to get into the supplement space, right? And obviously, like a sales rep is one of the, like, they think that's like a foot in the door. And but, the, from what I hear, it's the dream job. <laughs> that's what I thought. Well, well let's you talk about that. Me. They always go like, "Hey, David, that's you're, you're living my life. You're, you have my dream. I'm sure they do the same with you." Well, we like, can talk about the goods and the bads. How well, you that? talk about that you're living out your dream all the time, so maybe they, yeah. You know. So, anyways, back to Caleb. Um, tell us your story, like in terms of timeline of when you came on, when you started doing this. How did you get into a sales role? Um, at Granite, when did you open your store? Like, how did you get into this industry? So the first thing really for me is um, I was super unhappy with who I was as a person, how I looked when I was in college. I got a DUI. And the next day when I got out, I got released from the drunk tank. And I was afraid I was an alcoholic. And I, I was just like, man, I'm not happy with my life. I've got to make some changes. So I committed right there that I was going to work out four days a week, turned into five, turned into six, turned into going to the gym turned into bodybuilding, um, recreationally. Um, I, I've never competed, but just loved being in the gym. And so I started taking that success and that consistency I had there 
and I took that over to my job. I started doing well at my job. Um, what was your job at the time? So my job at the time, I was working, I've worked in the aircraft industry, if that's really big, where I'm from, in Wichita. Yeah. Um, so I worked for several different manufacturers. I did inside, um, like, it was, it was basically internal customer service, essentially helping other people do their jobs better and yep. with, my, with my division of the company. Then it turned into customer service, outward facing for an entire company. And then after that, I did, did a, tried, a, tried to do insurance sales. Really didn't do well because when you're selling Medicare supplements and you're 6'5", 250 pounds, you show up on their door, they're a little hesitant to answer the door <laughs> even. So I passed on that after a while. It just wasn't for me. And uh, I found a job doing some more aviation sales. So I did that for about five years. And during that time, about two years in, I started the store. So I had a partner at first, he had ran a complete nutrition and um, just had started to lose his passion for the industry. So he didn't last long. I, I bought him out pretty quickly after the first year and just said, Hey, like, I got this, like, we appreciate you helping me start. But you know, you're wanting to do other things. Was that a, um, a difficult breakup? It, it would to, to get to the point where we agreed on what it would cost me yeah yeah because i obviously he wanted a certain amount and i didn't think he was worth that amount so you know it's business so you negotiate and we did that and so he uh yeah he went his he went his ways and we're still fine we still have a good relationship um but you know just i'm i'm happy to do the store on my own and i have it under control for the most part so but we've the store's only been around it just hit our third year in june so i'm really new to the industry um but six months into starting the store, I, I think I actually met Patrick for the first time when we were at Bullfrog. Um, I, I started coming to events, coming, paying my own way to go to things so that I could see what I needed to do. And the industry just really intrigued me. And yeah, I thought, you know, being a rep is, you know, boom, this is the biggest thing. Like, you know, and you always think that when you're chasing something, right? And it's so far away from you. Yeah. So I just started to inch closer with relationships. And I mean... Last year before I really worked for Granite, like I was still showing up places for free, like and just like on my own dime and helping and doing what needed to be done. And so that translated into me getting the job eventually. So yeah. well, I think a lot of um a lot can be learned from that. And I think that's where we hire a lot of people. Like a lot of relationships start and a lot of people come on board when they just are very interested in it. And actually when you can pay when you pay your own way to do something or you do stuff for free. Um, it definitely shows that you're passionate about something. And I think we've had a lot of people come on board who just want to be a part of it and help out uh, for free before actually coming on board. Um, so that that's something to be said. So people that want to get into the industry, just being there and being a part of it and offering up help um, goes a long way. It goes yeah, a long way. That's what I tell people. Show up, network, meet everybody you can meet. Do it. I mean, take initiative. I mean, that's the biggest thing, right? That's what you guys are looking yep. for in, in your in your organizations. I mean, that's what I want to see from my guys at the store, you know, is take initiative. You see something needs to be done. Let's do it. Tell me you're doing it and figure sure it out. Know. Yeah, figure it out. I love that. I thought that was an amazing value. Yep. I made a post about it after I listened to you guys talk about it, it more because it's true. Take like, ownership somewhere. Take, I think that one. There yeah. Yeah, but the, the biggest skill on getting, you want to get paid, you want to move up, you want to do something you want to do, figure it out. So I'm going to totally digress here. This is it's totally weird, but it's, it is kind of a podcast topic, which we could take on the other hand. So very much related to that. Um, that is, you are going back to our core values. You are being a servant to somebody. You're not thinking of anything in return. You're just doing it because you're passionate about it. You want to help somebody. So, um, 
it's funny. I was getting a haircut today and we were talking to our barber about it. And, uh, we were talking about, um, like, I don't even know how we got on it. We talk about growing business and whatnot. And I told him, I was like, I just had a really interesting conversation with, there's a church, um, down in South Carolina that they were like $10 million in debt and just went through this crazy, um, like drama with the head pastor. He got kicked out. And so the guy I went to lunch with, um, was, took over for him. And we're talking, this is a mega church, like, you know, dozens of locations, massive bills, and you have to run it as a business, right? Like, even though it's a nonprofit, you still got to run it as business. And I was intrigued from the entrepreneur side of it. And I said to him, I was like, so you, and he told me at the end of this year, they will be completely debt free. And it was like in three years or something, $10 million in debt. And uh, so I said, well, how the heck did you do that? Um, And I'll never forget it because it really stuck with me. He said, we gave our way out. I was like, do what? What's you talking about, Willis? Um, and so his thing was the more that they gave, so they increased their budget for their missions and their whatever. And this can relate not just to a church, but like I'm talking business, right? Mm-hmm. The more they gave, the more free content they gave, the more times that they went to somebody's bodybuilding event and helped out, the more times they went to, uh, you know, some stores or, you know, industry event and helped out, the more they gave the more people were attracted to them, the more that their, uh, you know, their weekly viewership went up, the more that people tithed and gave money to the church to get rid of it, which is totally counterintuitive, right? Um, it might be biblical, but it's definitely uh, counterintuitive in a business sense. I'm going to give, I'm, you know what? I'm going to give away everything for free and I'm going to make more money. Yeah. Figure that out. Yeah, but yeah. I think it's a really good. But it's the but same. It, it it's, makes sense. Like, I mean, you see, you see it a little bit. Like yeah. other, other, I would say, brands or legacies or businesses that focus more on giving to their consumer, to because everybody has a good or, a goods or service, right? Like in, in a business uh, standpoint. But the more that they give, the more that that consumer is going to stay committed and loyal to right. who you to what you're providing. Yeah, you know. that's one of my core values. I talk about it all the time. I call it being a service. Yeah. I say, hey, I wake up every day. How can I be of service to you, whoever that is, whatever field you're in, whatever you're going through, it doesn't matter. It's it's as small as taking time to have a conversation with somebody that can do absolutely nothing for you or, you know, helping somebody, you know, at the spur of the moment. I mean, and it's something we talk about at the store. I mean, our, we're based on values, just like you guys are here. We started off with honesty, quality, and family, and then we really – encompass everything by just saying, Hey, we call it being of service. And so that's really like, that's what I get to do every day. I get to go help stores win. I get to go help individuals at, that work at the stores win. you know, every, everybody. But so the thing is, is the, the problem is I think some people think will, will think that or they'll, they will hear that and then they'll start put implementing it. And a year from now, they're no different than they were, where they were. But you don't know the seeds that you plant in every time you're of service that it's going to come back. Right. Uh, to blossom. I would say like most of our relationships, like we, I don't know if it was of service, but we planted a seed in you before a year before, uh, you ever came to work here. Right. Um, and it's these little service and these little nuggets that you drop years before that it takes time for them to blossom. So like, I think people would, you know, think, Oh, that's, you know, they're trying to be virtuous and be like, Oh, being a server. That sounds great. I'm going to give that a try. They try it for a year and they're, they're no, different. It, it has to be part of your lifestyle. It has to be an ongoing thing with, 
uh, not looking for the reciprocity in it, you know, not looking for it to come back immediately, but, um, you know, just, just being one of your core values so that eventually, you know, that you reap what you sow, it'll come back. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are just too short sighted to, to ever see that. everybody when you're, you still think it's going to be this trade across the board. Yes. And really I'd like to refer to it as, Hey, I'm going to put out this energy of being a service to everyone. And that's gotten returned to me in so many other ways that I would have never expected. I'm not like a universe gives and, and takes and all that stuff, yeah. but like, that's the only way I can almost describes that describe that. I mean, it's, I, I've been giving out that energy for a long time and sometimes things happen to me that I, I had no part in doing of, right? right. You, you get an opportunity, right? That you, that just falls into your lap from a sales perspective and it came out of nowhere and it was just, it was because of, you know, something random. And then you get the ones where it's a direct referral and that's obviously, that's a huge compliment. That's what right. we want, right? So it, it's very rarely that trade across the board though, you know, all the things that you guys have done as a company for all these different individuals has has affected them and, ch- and and changed some of them permanently and other people, you know, it's, it's brought them into a better place, hopefully, but you're just looking for that overall, that, 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 that impact. And then it gets returned to you. I really believe that. So tell us how you went from opening your store to how did you end up with granite and iron rebel? So, so I, Iron Rebel is a clothing company, an accessory company, right? Yeah. So lifting gear, wraps, straps, accessories. Yep. Very um, comfy sweatshorts. Yeah. Yeah. So we've really yeah. ventured more into apparel. Um, how I started there was um, I, I was an ambassador right before I started the store. And because I'd always wanted that. And then I realized that there was just more levels to it. And so I said, well, I just want to be a distributor. I think I'm going to open a store. I'm just going to buy $1,000 sight unseen and see what happens. And so before the store even opened, I had sold all that. And then I ordered again for the store and again and again. So um, Luke Carroll, he's one of the partners there now. Um, and he, he was the one that said, hey, like, how are you doing this? You're our best domestic store right now. We haven't had any wholesale. Right. So because they had had supply problems and just nobody was managing it. And I said, well, I said, hire me and I'll get you into more stores, you know, just pay me commission. And so that's what he did. He took a chance on me, somebody who was only a year and a couple months into the industry. So I, I've been doing that since, um, and Iron Rebel basically started as um, the owner, uh, the majority owner is Shelly Dennison. Her husband, Steve Dennison, owns USPA. So she was at all the powerlifting meets. She started uh, it as Rhino Power Gear, and then it turned into Iron Rebel. She brought Andy and Luke in, and uh, the company is just growing like crazy. So now. are they doing mostly direct-to-consumer? 96% direct-to-consumer. So even though the wholesale continues to grow, I can't make a dent because we have just grown as a company incredibly. So I, I was going to say that doesn't leave much meat on the bone for you to. Well, so, um, so as a, as a sales representative in the wholesale side, do you, is the, is it set up for you to be, for the retailers to be competitive with that direct to consumer market? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we don't offer, we're not doing wild, you know, we're not doing huge sales. I mean, discount codes from, you know, ambassadors only hit 10%. So uh, stores are still competitive. Um, and we offer probably more of the more competitive rates and a lower order minimum than most other companies in the space because they really don't care about wholesale. And I just said, hey, it's my job to advocate for stores. If you want to do this, we need to care about our stores and wholesalers. And I do the same thing at Granite. I just believe it's my job to fight for the stores. So me having one puts me in a great position to give them feedback on what they need to do. Yeah. I mean, I think that 
that helps Pat a lot, I think, when he talks to people about selling core through their store because he ran the stores, you know, for us. And I've learned so. to tread it a little bit because I sometimes I'm super passionate about retail, right? So like I and I want to help. Gener, I genuinely want to help. But some genuinity? Genuinity. Yeah. I have really good genuinity. <laughs> but sometimes it comes across as like, hey bro, like you think you know better than me or like you know how to run this store. Yeah. And I've I've felt that and I've gotten in trouble with that before. So I've learned to like you know, so is that you self-reflecting or them telling me like, are they, are they, or them telling you like, Hey bro, shut up. It's my store. Um, you it's just mostly self-reflecting. I've like picked up the energy. Yeah. Um, or maybe it, it's not, I've never had a direct, nobody's ever come up to me directly yeah. to my face yeah. and said like, I think it's come like around before I go, uh, real but mostly wide. it's mostly self-reflecting. Cause I also like, it's just like, I don't, Hey, look, like I don't want to tell you how to run your store, but this was, this is what. This is research that we've done with our stores. And I always talk about when you walk into it, this is like studies on retail, right? Remember when Ken yeah. went over all this stuff, you walk into a store, you don't want it to be too aggressive, right? When you walk in, you have to think about everybody. Decompression zone. Decompression zone, little lounge, you know, a little snack, you know, and then majority of the Looking people are like going to turn to the right. So we hit the protein wall all the way down, mostly on the right hand side. And it's this massive protein wall because most of the people are going to turn to the right and navigate the store that way. Mm -hmm. So and that's retail science. And me even saying that, like, wow, you know, I never thought about that. Right. Like, so I, I just try to add little nuggets that we've learned by having our retail. Like stores. there's a certain color scheme that helps people purchase more. Like yeah. I thought light blue was one of them or something like that. Good I thing I'm colorblind. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I mean, that's why a big reason why according to nutritionalists, we went to the, the white labeling. Because in our stores, like every single aggressive. tub was black, yeah. black, red, yeah. you know, white tubs stand out. <clears throat> and, and then everybody went to white. Now, not everybody, but uh, there's a lot of white in the stores now. Yeah, there's very few products that appear, though, like Core does with its look. It has a very unique look like it always has, but the multicolor labels and stuff. Yeah. And the different colors and, and choosing to use the whole colors of the rainbow. There's nothing else in that in that statement there. Oh, yeah. um, I was gonna say, are we, are we, at first we were all white racist here, <laughs> and now we're talking about a rainbow. We're trying to like, are you trying to make up for our whiteness? <laughs> oh man! Uh, but going back to you know, you don't want to you don't want to feel like you're overriding them. I go really light. I say, hey, I want a store, so I kind of have an idea of you know what stores are looking for support wise, and that's all I say. Yeah. I don't ever really get into it, but my favorite thing is to help new stores, like because you know they're looking for it, like uh, right, Prestige Nutrition. Yeah, like I went over there. I yeah, when are we going out there? I, we gotta hit. What, whenever you want to go, bro. I think they're a grand opening in, in a several months, a couple months. Yeah, so really good guys. Yeah. You know, you're in my brands only thing that's in the store and they're going to pick up some more things, but that's just what they wanted to get started with was right. quality known brands. And so I just, you know, gave them a little bit of feedback on what else maybe they should do to augment what they have, you know, capability wise and what my outlook as a store is. But when I get to talk to people like stores that have only been around a year or two, like me, I'm like, Hey, here's all the pitfalls and mistakes I made, you know, just to hopefully help them with, with whatever. But you know, those are my favorite people, even though they're not huge accounts, usually, um, the impact I can make with them short term is usually amazing. How did you get with Granite then? So that's Iron so, Rebel. How did you get with um, Granite? Really, I had been doing Iron Rebel for about a year, um, and I took the wholesale to a decent level. Um, it was really something I was just doing part-time, um, and I had a certain amount of relationships already in the industry. Um, and so I, I spent some time with John at the 2020 Olympia 
Um, and I had several people vouching for me. Paul vouched for me, obviously. Um, and then um, Luke and Shelly both vouched for me. And then I spent some time with John. And so he wanted, they brought me on. Part Did they not have the position before you said, I want, I want no, they, he, John himself was taking orders still and talking to people a little bit here and there. And they just really didn't have anybody focused on it. And I said, your time's not best spent trying to get orders out of people. It's, it's like if I've called three times, then John Meadows calls them. That's what yeah. I told him it should be like. And he right. agreed. So I started to take over accounts a little bit at a time. Um, and we made some really good progress. We had some issues with supplies and stuff, you know, along the way um, due to COVID supply issues. Everybody had them, but they hit us really hard. So um, they made an immediate decision after that to start tripling and quadrupling orders so that that would not happen again. So, but I really didn't come into the full position, like salaried full time. That was going to be what I did on a regular basis until after he passed away, basically. So um, I just told them, look, you have a window of opportunity here. Um, I know how to help you grow. Um, you just need to be willing to bring me on in a full time capacity. And so we talked back and forth for a month or two. Um, and on in December is basically when I. So started. do you guys granted? Uh, how what are your like? And you can feel free to share what you want to share. We're pretty open about our numbers and stuff. I would never ask you numbers like sales, but like what percentage of like direct to consumer and right? Are you mostly wholesale, or you still have a really strong direct to consumer? We have always had a strong direct to consumer, like Iron Rebel did. Yeah. Um, but wholesale is starting to push. Yep. Now that I'm doing it and we've gotten some good accounts back, um, you know, I don't know the exact percentages, but I'd like to say that we're like 65 D to C 35 wholesale. Yeah. And so, um, we've had a strong, strong base from John really. I mean, people yep. would buy it because of him, we have a lot of gyms and personal trainers that buy in bulk to sell to their clients because of him as well. So. I mean, um, but it, do you take them on as wholesale accounts or do you? Yes. Yeah. I was going to say as much as possible. I mean, yeah. because it just makes sense for yeah. them. Like, right. you know, we're not offering, obviously we're not offering any crazy discounts. Um, we want to keep the brand integrity high. We usually have one or two products that we do a promo on, or if you buy three or more of something like what the deals you guys do, it's kind of yeah. similar to that. We just don't talk about it as much. We don't really market that side of it. It's just available. So um, maybe an email blast here or there, but it's really not a big, big thing for us. Um, the D2C just kind of cruises and does what it does. So wholesale is where the opportunity is to bring the volume up in the correct manner for us, I think. So and I'll, I'll turn this over to David and Patrick in a minute. But so is your, are you stationed in one spot? Are you like this guy over here who's like living in the van down by the river? I actually wanted a van and they, they just said, well, it's just so hard to deal with and stuff. We're not ready to do that. And so I said, okay. So I, uh, I fly and I drive part of the time. Dude, you'll probably find it's cheaper to have the van than it is to do all that traveling. I did the numbers. So at the end of the year, we'll do the numbers again. And I think that they'll, they'll want to go ahead and proceed with a van. So I want to do a van. We're going to put John on the side of it. Yeah. Um, and everything and just like like david talks about make an event when, Gr when granite comes to your store you right. know pictures right. social media and i mean david's building his own following people love seeing what he does i do i know let's be clear do. the van is building the van, his the van. own but yeah <laughs> the van's the influence I'm it's not. not the redheaded does the van have its own here. instagram it's, it's got son. its own it's got its own it's got its own tiktok it does have its own TikTok. arn van yeah. yeah like and follow <laughs> arn <laughs> travels <laughs> So what do you guys see? Like how, why don't you guys talk a little bit about your daily job and like how you 
got to be where you are and how that has transitioned. And then maybe we can look at how different all of your positions are. Cause you're all at the end of the day, sales reps. Now some have been doing it longer than others and some have different roles because of the distribution. Um, but so let's get into that. Let's start with me. Yes. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, you haven't said a word the entire time. I so. just like he's listening. just soaking it I, in. He's just soaking the pew pew. Well, and that pen at the beginning. But anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no wonder why he's arms uh, race, baby. Yeah. I'm just. I'm just he's in the vortex. <laughs> um, no, I just like listening to Caleb talk about it because it's uh, it's very unique. Because I remember when he started, um, he called me, which it's such a similar story to Doug's. Like you know, yeah. people talked about my story about getting with arms race. Um, you know, I pitched the job. So you called me and we talked about it and then you pitched your job. Yeah, you were a so, big part of that. You and there's one other rep that helped me craft that and basically pitch to them and say, hey, like, you know, and the other thing I said is, hey, how do you think 5% survived after, you know, Rich Piana passed away? It wasn't just on direct to consumer. It did. They already had a wholesale network. Man, they're in so a lot of big, stores man. still. <laughs> yeah. They're still pretty big. I mean. I saw a wall in the store the other day. I'm like. Yeah. Okay. I know, I know. It's, it's impressive. They're still innovating. They just came out with those snack packs, the peanut butter and stuff. I mean, it's very interesting. I mean, they're still very much alive, very much going strong. I mean, and I know a couple of the reps over there. And I mean, they had that all built up before he passed away. And so it was a similar situation, in my opinion. I just said, you have a window to execute here yeah. and I can execute it. You just need to let me know if you want me to do it or not. So David helped me make it make sense for them, and that ever since then we just we started rolling. Yeah, and I mean, and you have a completely different uh, aspect because, like, when we talked about it, you're you're physically going to stores, so like you can sell. When I'm going to stores, I can't sell product. That's not my job. My job is to help that employee understand the product and why we do it, and hopefully, the more they sell, then guess what? Well, so just to be clear here, let's take a step back. So yeah. you are. Uh, in charge of basically getting GNC to move product. Yes. It's, it has nothing really to do with, at the end of the day, the the direct cash coming in because that's the corporate placing POs with the corporate arms race, Correct. right? And so th that's what makes your job difficult because, you know, you can't control that and sometimes stores don't have products. So you can't yep. immediately take an order on the spot and sell it, right? I your job about that though. What if we sold out of the van? I mean, I mean, <laughs> I don't think GNC would uh, go for that, but they no. Would. But how's it different than direct to consumer? You'd need a bigger van because you're a good salesman. Oh, you mean just put like a little window, like a like ice cream truck, and yeah, the just, ARN van rolls up. It. I thought about. It. I'm like, hey, we can do exclusive shirts. Anyway, that's food truck or food trailer. You um, definitely hit that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, my my job really is relationships and trying to you know make those relationships last. Like if I go into a GNC and it's a new employee, the, the goal is not. Isn't that every time you go into a GNC? Yeah, <laughs> yeah true, true. Um, but it's like, what do I pitch to make them believe in me and make them believe in GNC? So I'm even selling GNC because guess what? Do I, do I want to keep training the same person or the same store over and over? It's not worth anybody's time. So when you're, so your sales rep position, like, at, you know, whereas he's talking to a store owner, trying to get them to bring on the product wholesale, when you're in a GNC, how much of your time goes towards talking to actual GNC employees versus actually helping them sell on the floor, like to um, uh, retail? Is it like 50-50 or where are you at? Uh, it's it's universal. I mean, when I walk in, if a customer comes in, I try to help sell. Um, I'm good at selling. So at, at the end of the day, and I, and I teach that employee, hey, you can sell arms race, but I want you to sell what makes sense for that customer. And once they understand that, 
then I can teach about arms race. Now they know which customer to make sense of that. I think that's the best approach is help it make sense for everybody. You know what I mean? Don't just push. I'm not just always going to push, push in my area. No. I'm going to say, hey, like, you know, I might not be best suited. Every brand does something different, better, right? And so I'm like, I'm not the best in this area. You might want to look up so-and-so. And so, like, I'm providing other resources to stores, not just granite all the time. Sometimes I don't sell any, any granite to them immediately, but I help them so much that they're like, man. Well, at the end of the day, that's what this is all about. It's all about those relationships, which at the end of the day, Dave, your job is really to build that relationship with that GNC because they have all these brands in the store, yep. right? And all you're really doing, and so like people think it's a sales job, it's really a relationship job. Mm -hmm. So that like at the end of the day, you like you could help them sell, and if you build that connection with that person, when you leave, they're going to move arms race. Yes, because of the personal connection. But it's even the customers too. Like I just pulled this up on my phone because I just got this the other day and I thought it was cool. But I, I did uh, I did a store event in Sandusky, Ohio. And one of the employees had sent me this message from the customer I helped. It says, to be honest, I was kind of skeptical that the dude was just saying it because he works for them. However, that bleep actually worked and it did its job, not disappointed by the product at all. And it goes back to selling for the sake of, I wanted to help that customer. If he wanted something and arms race didn't make sense, it's not what I would have sold. So teaching that to GNC employees makes more sense. And now they trust me because they're like, oh, he didn't just try to sell me on stuff just to make money. So at the end of the day, I don't, I don't make money if they sell that product, but like you would make money if that store owner bought product that day. Yep. You know what I mean? So that's really the biggest difference. And same with you, like you're working on accounts all across America and international and well, stuff like that. Well, taking that same approach in the brick and mortar side or uh, mom and pop side. So like in our more roles <clears throat> where you're going in to try to make a sale, you know, and so say, say I'm cold calling a store or cold driving by, you know, or whatever the situation is. You're cold. <clears throat> I'm cold. And you, you walk in, you ask, you know, start having conversations, but then I'm hanging out for a solid 30 minutes to an hour. Sometimes it's been four hours and the impact that you have when you're in there and just trying to be in there, I'm just, I'm there to sell. Being of you know, service. I, I'm actually there to be, yep. to, to show this store that what we do is, is to help you, is to service you as a whole. Yeah, right? I, I cleaned a and toilet last week. Dude, that's amazing. That's, <laughs> that's, that's cuck approved right it, there. That's actually a great idea. There's a yeah, lot of, I've been in a lot of stores. I could clean a lot of toilets. It's, yeah. it's those little things that really do build a relationship. Yeah. Like there's nothing I'm not going to do in yeah, a store. But can you person. please explain how, like, did you like blow up the toilet or something? Or was no, it, you, were you like, man, your toilet was... is nasty. Can I clean your toilet for you? Uh, or they were you repairing see? the toilet. They got a new toilet and I guess it came, I don't know if it was reused or something. I don't know. But, like, there was just weird, like, plastic all around it. So, like, I just helped them, like, finish installing, and, like, I cleaned the toilet. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but it's like that that employee would have had to done it. So now that employee went out on the sales floor, got to help that customer. They didn't have to stress about it. I did the things that, you know, they can't be on the floor to do. Sorry, GNC, but That's huge. you yeah. can't always have two employees in the store um, to where it balances that. But at the end of the day, I think those little things really do matter to build a relationship. And it's honest. Like, I'm not doing it and being like, ha-ha, just because I cleaned this toilet, they're going to help me. It's really just trying to be a servant to these people and make them believe in you. It's an attitude. It's a lifestyle. It doesn't change. And I adopted it as that a couple years ago. And it's just transformed my life. Absolutely. So one of the things that, um, 
you know, Pat, I think your role has transitioned. Pat, you're going through a transition. A lot of transitions lately, bro. Yeah. It's stressful. Yeah. These transitions. The, the good thing it's bodybuilder to the tactical to the what? I said, good thing it's pride <laughs> month. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got a lot of pride, a lot yeah. of transitions. You got a lot of transitions going on. <laughs> um, I don't even don't know where I was. That out. Oh, I don't even, I, I don't even know where I'm going to go with that. But, uh, yeah. Um, my roles, my roles changed. Your, so. your role has changed, but it's so the, I think the key here also is that all of you guys, I think you just want to win. I don't work with Caleb on a daily basis or anything like that, but I know at least Dave and Patrick, they don't get paid on uh, direct to consumer at all. And <laughs> arms race uh, is, has a lot of direct to consumer um, and core is probably third direct to consumer ish. Right. But yet both of them are great sales reps and have grown the wholesale side because of their commitment to the brand. So you can very easily weed out a really shitty sales rep who is only concerned about the sale and isn't passionate about the brand. So I think that, that that's key for anyone out there who wants to become a sales rep. If you are not passionate about it and you just want to work in a supplement industry and you just want to be a sales rep, Right, you're looking for the job. You're looking for the cash. You're looking for the cloud of being in the supplement industry because you cash? like to work out. Who makes cash here? Well, anyone who crypto. is actually selling product. Yeah, you're getting paid in crypto. Right. He's got a farm. He's got a farm. Yeah. I, I mine that and then pay him and <laughs> pay him when Ethereum's up. I'm, I'm still getting five gum. I'm disappointed. <laughs> no, I'm uh, trying layers. Yeah. So, um, but I think that's important to note that if you really want to be a good sales rep, you need to be all in on the brand. You look at the best sales rep in the industry, they're really not jumping from brand to brand to brand. They're just, that's such a, it's such a bad look. So before you say, I mean, and of course there are going to be transitions. There are going to be changes. There are, there is times when, you know, it might not be the right fit once you get into a culture, but like you need to find the culture and the brand that is best for you. Cause that's where you will thrive because you're not going to get, what are you doing over there, Aaron? <laughs> Um, because you're going to want that brand to win regardless. And I think that's key. And that's, that's what will make your wholesale do well, because those retailers will see that passion for the brand and want to be a part of that. So anyways, we were talking about your transition to a woman. Dang. <laughs> Did that get aggressive? Yeah, yeah. ain't that much Very pride, aggressive. bro. Yeah. Uh, so why don't we talk about that role and that transition? Well, uh, <laughs> Let's see how many times we can say transition. We're gonna well, get like I start, so it started with you in 2015, and my first two years were retail. So that gave me a lot, a really good platform to understand what the retailers need and how to support them. And then in 2017 was f straight figuring it out. Like I was just thrown into this like fire. Like, hey, this guy's leaving. We don't really have like a rep. He kind of was a rep. He kind of wasn't. And this position's open and Carl thought, no, we don't need that job. Nobody, there doesn't need, we don't need a sales rep. <laughs> Doug was like, Carl, it's the most, ex one of the most important positions of the brand. So yeah, Carl's yeah. on planet cuck with yeah, that one for sure. Uh, so the first couple years was figuring it out. And then 2019, I traveled like a madman um, and made a, a, I think a really big impact. And then COVID hit. And then I think during COVID it, it made us realize a little bit of like you because of, uh, I think, my impact on the brand and as a whole and not just, like, in wholesale, um, there was a – it wasn't, like, directly spoken about, but indirectly the travel kind of slowed down, I mean, especially with COVID. 
Um, and then now we're, we're expanding the brand into a lot of different avenues, right? So we have wholesale, uh, we have distributor d- distribution partners. Um, we're about to have a, a major, uh, brick and mortar partner with vitamin shop. Um, so my role, Amazon, Amazon international, international. So I oversee all of that. And so, and it's, it's starting to grow a lot. And so, you know, we've created inside sales positions, we've created distribution sales positions. So now I have to kind of oversee those things too. Um, so the traveling is a little bit less. It's a little more strategic for now until vitamin shop, until vitamin shop, but it's still strategic, strategic, strategic. I'm going to interrupt just in a second. I'm I'm so interested. Is it hard for you to delegate some of that work to those positions? It's very hard after owning it for so long. You were the guy. It's really hard. It's, it's sometimes it's not as hard. It is for me as it is for the person that I'm working with. Right. Because let's take, what does that mean? Let's take uh, let's take natural body for example, right? Like Steve Calabrese and Tim and Tim, like they they operate on on nat- the way natural body. They're operates. they're on planet natural body, which yeah. is next next to planet cup. And it's, they we're not saying anything bad. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's just great, like you know they are very unique in how unique they work and they they mm-hmm. operate a certain way. And there's certain things that I have to do to make the partnership strong. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And to then pick that up and and pass it on to Dave. So I, so let's just say, Dave, you have to learn all these like little things that we had to make up along the way. Cause there's no like written playbook for this. And then they have to get used to working with this guy. And I don't, I, I mean, with our broker for manufacturing, I don't want to work with you. I want to work with him. I like yelling at him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it's a, you know, it's, you get used to working with certain people, you know? So I think that's one of the it's going to be because here shortly in the next few months, I'm having a baby in, in like a, in six weeks and then six weeks out, six weeks out. And then we're rolling into vitamin shop in October, November. Um, and a lot of my time is going to be spent there. So it's going to be interesting to kind of, yeah. and we're going to figure it out along the way of how I partition some stuff to others and then also learn the, a, a new path and what I'm going to have to do and how I'm going to have to do it. So you got a big so. push coming, big push. A you big know, push. You're going to be out in the, well, you got a big push <laughs> and then you got a big push <laughs> after that. But seriously, you know, it's like on the road. Like. Yeah. Like a big push on the road. You're going to be out and about. You're going to be seeing customers. Right. Yep. You're going to be, and it's going to be employees. a team effort. We're going to need, because we were thinking about hiring a specific person like David to do this specifically. Vitamin shop's a little different. It's a little more spread spread out. out. Yeah. You know, and just they're, they're bigger stores. They're more, they're in pockets, right? Like they're like, they have their own standalone store. It's not strip centers. It's not in malls. They. Yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of patch job will be, uh, and David does this too, a lot for the arms race is communicating with the, the buyers and, uh, you know, a lot of the other people. And also when there's presentations like David will present to 30 people at a time. So which is part of like a district, right? Yeah. yeah so yeah. like districts or region, like David has all those relationships. Right. Um, and then that's where it's going to be Pat's job, right? Like maybe the big conventions, like I'll go to those and stuff like that, but I can't hit like all the regional stuff. Like that's Pat. Hey, good right. job on the good luck on those uh, Alaska calls when you're on the East Coast. Ooh, that sounds like fun. Those are difficult. Is there are there vitamin shops in Alaska? I don't, I don't know. think so. There's there was several states that do not have a vitamin shop, um, but not a lot. It's like three states, right? Yeah, like three or four max. Yeah, I mean, less than five. Everywhere. Yeah, less than five. Yeah, well, not everywhere. like Montana. But there's, think. I mean, yeah, think Montana. about it. There's like 700 vitamin shops. There are how many GNCs now? 
six hundred. That's franchise and corporate. Yeah, yeah, it's both. Yeah. Twenty six hundred. So like that's quite a big difference, but they're you know generally bigger stores, higher volume stores. So it'll be interesting. And I'm not saying you. I'm not. Let's don't take this as literate, but like uh, blindly. Like I, I like. I feel like sometimes you can just. I'm just going to get in the van today and just start driving and yeah. popping into a GNC. And, just, and then you GNC, GNC, yes. GNC, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like you get an air and stop, you get right. an air yeah, and yeah, stop, yeah. Yeah. hop on the van, take yeah. a picture, you know, <laughs> hit the pin. We're having a good time. <laughs> no, but there's yeah. going to be a lot more strategic travel, I yes. think with, yeah. with a vitamin shop. So we're going to figure it out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like ever since I've been in the sales role, it's been, that core has been expanding and transitioning into a lot of different avenues and we've had to adapt. Right. Um, well, that's why we just brought on Logan. So Logan has worked in the distributors. He's worked for another brand or two or three or four or four. <laughs> so he was one of those. He ones. was like, I didn't want to be one of those guys, but I am, but I'm one of those guys, but he definitely has the, I think we're the better culture fit than all yeah, these other Yeah, he never brands. was able to find a, a good culture His home. Fit. So, like, he is now coming to run strict, not strictly because everyone here does everything, but uh, he will be taking over a lot of the distribution in terms of dealing with Europa and Muscle Foods um, because I think that's another avenue where we're going to be growing. So it definitely keeps it interesting for you guys, uh, all these different aspects. So where do you see all your brands going in your time? Like what are your goals over the next couple of years for Granite? What do you, what do you got going on? So the biggest thing for us and what I tell them is there's a healthy way to have D to C and wholesale and distribution. And I think core is a great example of that. Um, and that's just been my primary focus because I have a store and I want to support stores correctly. Like my job is to go advocate for them and I advocate extremely hard for my customers. Like, but I understand that there is, a balance to be had, you know, with how you set up and who you sell to and how you get out into all the platforms. Because truly, when enough D to C people buy it, that means the wholesale prospects go up, people are looking at it more sure. distribution, it's more available. I mean, I don't always always order directly from you. Like I order from Europa some for my store because it just fits the need better. You know, I'm well, not let's let's actually you made a good point we should talk about because it's probably something that yeah, if you don't deal with it now, you will deal with it. But I know, uh, and David hasn't had to deal, have to deal with this yet. Um, but Patrick certainly has. And that is, you're going into vitamin shop. You're going into Europa. You're going into, what the heck? What about me and my $500 orders? Ah. <laughs> hey, and I remember when I came to talk to you guys, I wanted to know what's going on. Yeah. I was, you know, you want to know because some brands take it to the next level and decide that, you know, they're going to do business in a different way, in a way that may not benefit stores. Always. Well, let's let Pat answer that question. How do you handle that question? Because at the end of the day, what you said was exactly right. Us going into vitamin shop should only help your mom and pop sales. If you truly get it as a retailer. Yeah, rising tides. Yeah. So how do you answer that question when Joe Schmo, well, it's, uh, when Caleb calls you up and be like, bro, what the heck? Well, why I, not? There's, Caleb, a, there's like a politically correct beginning. We're like, look, man, like yeah. as a growing brand, you know, and it's it, 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 depending on the situation, like um, uh, Dalton, I had to have this conversation with him when I was sure. in, in Pennsylvania. And uh, I was like, look, man, he has a brand. So it was a little bit easier to speak to that because I was like, you have a brand, right? So you also understand that, 
if you want to take your brand to a, a high level, right? And you want to be one of the top brands in this industry, you're not going to just get it done through one avenue, right? And, and that avenue of, of mom, mom and pops, and we love, we have retail stores and we will not forget about them and we will always support them. Mm-hmm. And I'm already thinking while we're talking about this, I'm thinking about some, some cool, unique things that we can do exclusively for brick and mortar type stores but as we grow into like a vitamin shop. But um, it's just reminding them that we're always going to support you. We're always going to take care of you. But like, we can't get it done through $500 orders through brick and mortar only. It's just not, you know, to take our brand where we want. We're a growing brand. We have a lot. Doug has a lot of responsibilities um, that he's of people that he's responsible for brand. He, and we're building a legacy and we need, and we want to grow that. Right. And we want to reach as many people as possible. And it's not just going to be possible through um, just brick and mortar exclusive, you know, stuff, things, sure. opportunities. So we have a uh, really good pricing integrity. It's course been around for 15 plus years and it has always had one of the strongest map policies around in the supplement industry. So that, that will be there. Um, and then we we will do exclusive supporting things for our, our brick and mortar retailers, you know, and I just try to calm the situation down, help them understand. Yeah, people get emotional. Really just, you get emotional because like, so the Europa one really confused me because I had no under, I didn't understand how you and I have a direct relationship from a store to a business, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't understand how Europa now carrying the product would hurt you. And I had to understand, and so, well, I'm not saying you're not the person, but you're the, you're an example. Sure. That person was concerned that their neighbor yes. would buy the brand just because you had it and then would devalue the brand and yes. sell it for $5, $10 cheaper and, and it would hurt. But that's what, well, we don't do exclusives for the most part anyways. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it, it, unless you're literally buying massive amounts and it's a long-term partnership, like- you know, we're not, we're not going to do an exclusive with anyone. We don't ask as, as a nutrition corner who have a lot of buying power. We're buying hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars a month from different brands. We don't even ask for an exclusive mm-hmm. because we, we just think that's stupid. Yeah. Well, they're going away. I mean, I want to protect my guys and I don't want to go in, you know, you don't want to shop hop, right? You don't want to You visit a place, you get in, they take care of it. You're not going to go down the road and go say, Hey, I need to get in here. Like when I'm done in that area with somebody, I move on because right. I do. Number one, I have to cover the whole country by myself at this point. So, like, I don't have a reason to. And number two, I'm a store. I get it. I don't, I don't, as my store stands, I don't want to carry everything that everyone else has. And so I had to make a transition in my thinking, you know, and you guys were one of the ones that helped me do that. When you decided to go to Europa, I realized that really benefited me more than anything else because I didn't have to stock as much because I could pick it up on a weekly basis from them. And that was great. And I actually picked up more SKUs. I have more core SKUs in my store than I ever have. And and let's, let's also add something. So maybe ordering through Europa, you might not even got a better margin percentage that you might've gotten it direct. But what that did was it got it in your store faster and it provided the value to your client who is the most important, who you've, un, who you've introduced the brand to. Mm-hmm. And now they're satisfied. They're getting the results that they want and that they need. And then they're coming back to your store more frequently. So they might miss out on a, you might miss out on a one or 2%, but you're playing a longer term game and you're seeing that customer come back to you because you're providing them the value. Well, I, th- I think a couple of the other points is when we got into our distribution relationship, and I think we're going to 
potentially be expanding that, you know, and these are conversations we have with our distributors is there's a couple of rules that you need to play by. One is you cannot sell to anybody who's selling on third-party platforms such as eBay, Amazon, or wherever, right? So we actually have checks and balances in place that if anyone, uh, no Amazon or, you know, retailer, there's always ways to get around it. You can squeak the system, buy it from somebody else through something, you know, like it's going to happen. But for the most part, that is completely shut down. So you don't have to worry about somebody buying this, undercutting it on Amazon. That even e-commerce platforms have to be approved. E-commerce platforms we allow, but it first has to be flagged. It will be flagged and approved by us before. So that means we can put it on our list and we can monitor the map, right? That's a huge thing because that is where if you just open up distribution blindly and say anyone from anywhere can buy it, that's where you can destroy your map. So we had that in place and we knew this because as a retailer ourselves or, you know, the other business side that we have, um, we know, we know that game. Right. So like we we make sure to take care of that. And then one other point on the vitamin shop thing is at the end of the day, core has 150 SKUs. Vitamin shop to start is picking up 12, nine, 12, 12, nine, nine. I did the product nine (laughs) submissions. (laughs) Vitamin shop is picking up nine, nine to to start. And then hopefully, you know, doubling that very soon after. Um, But still, that's only what? 10% of our products. Right. Are you going specialty only? Or do you think you have a chance with commodities with everything they already carry? Uh, we wouldn't do. I wouldn't do commodities. Not, okay. not. I mean, for honestly, the commodities right now, the margins, and to be competitive when they're they're manufacturing their own, it just in the brain. Maybe just, Lifeline if they take. I know that's still. Yeah, that would be even would be hard with yeah, still with, wellness. No, that's yeah. very intricate. Like a commodities, one ingredient product where there's no yeah. there's no differentiation. Like Our that. lifelines, I would put up against any single health product in in a vitamin shop. Oh, absolutely. So like, I think Lifeline could do extremely well in a vitamin shop, but you know they do fo- they do focus on that. But the one th- cool thing that I'm excited about about vitamin shop, and now I'm just rambling, but is their sports nutrition has grown in the last year. six months to a year <laughs> is massive. In fact, it might over even overtake their their vitamins, you know, side of their business. So that to to be a part of that now is super exciting. Watching their turnaround has been insane. Yeah. It's just been inspiring to watch. Like, hey, like retail is not dead. Yeah. It's not. And people that say it are just aren't doing it right anymore. People want human interaction more than ever. Yep. It's been two years of lockdowns and bull crap. And people need human interaction, and they're finding you find that through retail. You know, well, so that's the other thing about not doing exclusives. Because at the end of the day, if you're going to lose your customer for selling somebody selling it for three dollars or five dollars cheaper down the road, that's shame on you. Because a retail store like ours, you need to build relationships with that customer, and they're coming for you, not necessarily for that product. They could go to Amazon and get that product, probably cheaper, right? Or somewhere else. They could find it online. They're coming for that relationship. So honestly... And the resource that you provide. And the resource that you provide, right? The service that you provide. So if you're going to lose that, like, you're, in my opinion, you're not providing the right service to your customer because they should be coming to you. And this is the way we... That's why we don't ask for an exclusive. You can go down the street and buy it, but you're not going to get our service. And that's how... That's what we focus on. We don't worry about what the guy down the street is doing. Um, I mean, I remember me and RC would joke about it lids back in the day but like we would not make a sale sometimes on purpose because that person was not ready to buy a fat burner that they thought they were coming in to get and instead of giving them a 60 percent margin fat burner that i knew was going to make money on that one sale i 
said, no, you're not, you don't, you need to focus on training, nutrition. Yep. You need to do this. You need to do that. Here's a note. We're going we're gonna to sit here to sit down and talk for 30 minutes. And I'm going to help you out. And then they're blown away with the information that you provide. And then you just, you, you take a leap of faith to trust. And then hopefully that resource that you provided, like, hey, I got, I lost a couple pounds. Patrick was right. I'm going to go back and see him. Okay, now we can, you know, make the sale and make the long-term customer and, and get them coming back. Yeah. And a big problem with a lot of the retail stores that we might work with, they're not focused on that. You know, they want to make that sale right away, that quick sale. And then more than likely, you're probably not going to see that customer again because you didn't provide them anything but a five-minute, like, fat burner. Yeah. You know, which I get stopped get. in GNC for that time when people are like, where's your best pre-workout? You assume I'm just going to go over to Harness and do that. Yeah. I'm like, no, well, let's, let's stop. Let's talk. Like, right. how are you trading? What are you doing? I, that's my favorite aspect of selling. Right. Just I love when all the people on the internet get so upset. There is no best, David. No best. There is no best. There, there is, is a best. It's core fury and harness. <laughs> <laughs> Stack <laughs> together. <laughs> Stack that <laughs> vape pin. But, but what all you're talking about, <laughs> I think, is... Uh, with something else we talk about besides being a service is people over profit. Totally. So, you know, providing that value up front, whether it's a resource, whether it's just samples. Hey, you don't feel comfortable trying to buy anything today? No problem. We got you. Here's samples. Try it out. No pressure on us. We don't want you to buy and walk away with anything you, you're not even going to use or you may not like. Right. Yeah. Provide that value. Providing value first is huge. Well, boys, we are at 53 minutes, and we try to keep these around an hour. So is there anything else that you guys want to share about your experience as a sales rep for people that are watching this that think that this is something they might want to do? Uh, Any words of advice? Anything else you want to share about your position as a sales rep? Yeah, like we said, it goes back to being a service. And, you know, if you really want a job like this, I mean, like I said, I worked for free for a, a good portion, and paid my own way to go to events. I mean, every event you saw me up, you saw me at almost until last year, I paid for myself to get there and take the time off and do whatever I needed to do. And I still had a full-time job on top of the store. So you'll do whatever it takes if there's something you're passionate about to get that. So, and it's, it's a job. It has its great things. It has its not so great things, just like everything does. I kind of want to address that. Doug's not going to like me saying this. Oh. I'll never feel like I'm working. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, yeah. But but at the end of the day, Don't like... You definitely haven't worked today. <laughs> I, I got a phone call. I got a text. I, I saw the text. I've been doing some stuff. Um, we had a three-minute call with GNC. We yeah, did something. Um, the, the aspect is, like, I just spent three weeks from here to L.A. to Vegas, um, and I work. Like, that's the thing, though. I, I love to work. So it's like yeah. I never feel like I'm working. Sure. But on the whole other aspect is, like, I also realized my time. Like, I, I went to Vegas, and everyone's like, oh, did you have fun in Vegas? I worked. Yeah. So, yes, I absolutely had fun, but not the fun you're assuming I had. And it's like watching that stuff really pay out is really cool, to well, be completely honest. Isn't the other annoying thing when people say, yeah, doesn't that suck? You have to drive all that much. No, it doesn't suck. It's easy. <laughs> it's yeah. easy. You just take I, calls, and you service your customers while you're driving. Yeah, yeah, I get to slap a little camera on the van and go pro it down the street. Yeah, that's a new yeah, one. That's pretty, yeah, that's, fun, that's, that's pretty fun. That's added fun. That's like added it, fun. That's influencer. Life. Dave it's, is a full-time influencer now. Yeah. It's it's really cool because, and again, like I'll, I'll say all kinds of nice things about Doug, whether he's here or not. But like he gave me, <laughs> he gave me the opportunity to see everything. Like like I've been everywhere. I've gotten to see it. So like for people that say it sucks, I showed like, him everything. Like you, you just <laughs> like you're not taking advantage of life. Like you know I'm trying to 
do better with taking five minutes out of my day to be like, hey, go look at this. This is cool. But on the other hand, it's like work is still a priority. Like I am on the phone consistently while I'm driving. I am e- on my email while I'm driving. Uh, sorry if anybody's listening to this and feel like I should You're be gonna on You're going to be canceled, phone. bro. Um, but at the end of the day, like it's work, but it's work I really, really enjoy. And it's finding stuff that works. Like I have to get out of my van and do some lunges now so my back doesn't get tight. But, but at the end of the day. I'd love to see Dave on the side of the road in the desert just doing, <laughs> just lunges, doing lunges, lunges with his Go, GoPro. Every, <laughs> every lunge, he slaps down an arms race sticker. Yeah. <laughs> That too, I do that a lot. All right, meet your last final say. Um, what are you looking for? Brigade. To? Well, I think the biggest thing for me is to to know that. Well, you know, I don't know everything, and I never will. Right, and so it's it's continuing to adapt and grow um, in this role, <clears throat> um, and then also like just living passionately. Uh, it's one of the the core values number like. One exact funder crush it. I think it's yeah, like number it's like three number or two or something. It's but uh, but I, I'm super number passionate, two. super passionate about what we do. And like you said, like when you, it's it's kind of a like a cliche saying now is like you never work a day in your life if you find something you're passionate about. And I truly believe in that. Yeah. Now there is work, right? Like there's some days you, you know we don't we don't want to work. Some days you know like yeah. that's that's a true statement too. Um, but I think if if anybody's listening to this and uh can take anything away from it is it's like no matter what it is just do it with passion right like there's passion and and I don't, I don't care if it's a job that you're you didn't think you'd end up in and you're you're not a hundred percent like there but maybe you're like you know even 75 percent there like you're there's some passion somewhere in what you're doing yeah. right and just find it right and then uh and just and you know just bring bring that passionate energy to to work every single day and then it'll trickle in other aspects of your life. And then more things will come for you by, by just living passionately. This is my number one. So like I did the, uh, day job, uh, you know, I did the office job and and I, I did enjoy my job. It was definitely not what I was passionate about. Um, I did it for 12 years and, uh, I tell my kids, even at a young age, like I have this conversation. I actually pray about this with my eight year old, pretty much every day, every night before we go to bed, is I pray that the he finds something that he's truly passionate about to like sink his life into. Right. Because the the one of my biggest fears is either of my boys working in not a, a job that they actually they absolutely hate to do. So like, you know, I've I've I find I take joy in getting people to quit their job. I know it's the terrible thing to do. And sometimes building your passionate job, uh, making your passion something that is um, f- financially feasible or where you are economically profitable, you might have to do that crappy work that you don't enjoy to make that possible, right? You might, it might not be right for you to quit your job and go all in, right? You know, sometimes that's the step that some people need to take, but other times it's, no, don't, that, make it your side hustle, make your, that's your passion, do the hard work of the job you don't enjoy so that you can financially, you know, pursue this other thing. But it's eventually you need to have a game plan where you can turn your passion into something that you make money at. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I would dread, like that's something that I never want to see happen is them in a position where they, they have to do this job that is just completely like they're miserable, right? Cause I see it all the time. 
How many people are doing a job, working 12 hours a day, and they're just completely miserable? If you're completely miserable doing that, like, that is no way to live, right? Like, yeah, you, you might need to make money to support your family and do those things, so you have to make those sacrifices, but there's got to be a better way. I believe that for everyone. So Yeah, you should be passionately pursuing your potential. David Meltzer talks about all Ooh, that like all that. the time. He always talks about that. He also talks about being a service as well. And man, just um, what's possible for you, if you believe that there's more for you out there, you should start seeking that. And sometimes that takes trying 10 different things, but you should be, you should be working that we're meant to grow. We're meant to, you know, change and transition. Transition. And it doesn't have to be like, um, it can be something crazy. Like if you love dirt bikes, I'm just thinking of my youngest, like he loves anything crazy, like extreme sports. Like if he loves dirt bikes, well, like learn how to build a dirt bike and then maybe buy a couple used ones, fix them out and sell them. Right. And eventually you might own an entire East coast dirt bike, you know, reseller, right? Like you might have a massive business to that cause you're passionate about it. Right. Like don't do something. I, I know when I first got out of school, I wanted to do consulting management, consulting or investment banking, because one, you know, that those are when you're working with like an Ivy League or people in the top of their class, that's what they do. So I felt like that's what I had to do. And that's really the only reason I ended up in consulting is because I felt like, okay, I was number one in my class. And, you know, this is where people make a lot of money. And it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a glamorous job until you actually start doing it. Right. Um, and that's how I ended up there. Now, I don't regret doing that. But man, I wish I had the foresight or the hindsight, you know, being 2020, I wish I knew some of those things. Um, so that that's a big message that I give to everyone who's young and trying to figure it out. Man, we got on that. We got on that. Put that on a cracker, dude. Put that on a cracker, dude. Inspirational. All right. Yeah. Is that it, guys? No, did dude, we, you crushed that finish. Yeah. 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 Did we finish? Did we? We finished the transition. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, on that note, until next time, keep crushing it.